Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to interview real life heroines about their heroine's journey, where they, and of course, we go on many in our lifetime, but they'll tell me, and today I have Kathy Soir with me, who's going to tell us about maybe one or more of hers and uh because she's been on particularly many but anyways hearing these stories helps inspire all of us to take a risk um cross a threshold into a new journey into something we've never done before and usually into a life of greater meaning so kathy welcome thank you good to thank be here Thank you for being with us. And Kathy is right now in Illinois. And let me just read your bio, Kathy, because it says sure. so much about you. Um, they'll get a good little quick background. So Kathy is a writer, a blogger, retired pastor and teacher. She is the author of a book, Fine Lines, Walking the Labyrinth of Grief and Loss. She's the CEO of her family's farm corporation, which is in Illinois. Mm -hmm. She oversees the management of their Midwestern US grain farm. When not writing or tending farm business, which as I read all this, I'm thinking I would be sleeping, but no, Kathy. It's, it can be found reading, watching sports, cooking shows, digging up dead relatives, and that's not literal, but you'll hear more about that soon, sewing, and collecting cookbooks and antique glassware. And Kathy, we, so what do you sew? Well, I started out uh, sewing clothes, my clothes, my kids' clothes, my husband's clothes, t-shirts, uh, sweatshirts, all kinds of stuff. These days, it's more um, quilting. Ah, okay. So, all yeah. right. Yet another quilter that I meet, and quilting has never been something. It's kind of a thing. But okay. <laughs> all right. So, Kathy, we have, I want so much to talk about, lots of things with you, but I want to start with how you and I met. And so, let me just start that by saying, but I'm going to need your help. Was it two years ago when we had that contest? 
so. I think so. I think so too. So in my Instagram, I put out a contest. I had just launched my online course about the heroine's journey, your epic journey of transformation. And I thought, oh, why don't we have a contest and see who can win a free course? So we put it out there, Kathy won. And so the first thing I wanted to do was get to know this person and find out how she found out about it. And so we had a telephone call. And here's what I'm remembering, Kathy, that it was around the time when you were doing your first November writing that you were doing with National Writing Month. It's it was a little bit after that, but yeah, I had I had just started dabbling in okay. National Writing Month. Yeah. So for people who don't know, can you just explain what what that means, what that month of national writing means? It's a contest. Uh, college out in Berkeley started it and um, they want to get more people writing and more people reading. So they came up with this idea. We'll just have a contest, National Novel Writing Month. And you know, you write a novel in a month. Um, most people don't finish an entire novel in a month, but what they want you to do is write every day and to win National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo as they call it, to win, you need to, during the month of November, write 50,000 words. 50,000 words in 50, words. month, and it has to be a novel. It, it used to have to be a novel. Now it can be anything, you know, whatever you're writing. They want you to write 50,000 words in order to win. So. And... And so how did you do? Well, the, I made it to 50,000 words. Um, it, was, it was funny. I was not going to sign up officially. I thought, you know, well, I'll just see about this writing thing. I'll, I'll just kind of do it and I'll see how it goes. And then I, I know myself and I said, now, nah, you know, if you don't sign up officially, you won't do it. So on the morning of November 1st, <laughs> I sat down after breakfast and I signed up. And then, of course, they want to know what you're writing. Well, what am I writing? Uh, and I looked over to my left, the bookcase, to where my genealogy notebooks were. And I lit on the one with my husband's great-great-grandmother's family. And I'm like, well, you know, I can, I can write a book based on Sophie's life story because that way I don't have to come up with a plot. <laughs> I know what happens. I'll just follow along and I'll write what happens to Sophie and it'll be okay. I won't have to make a plot. I just, I'll just go. And so I started to write it and we don't have anything um, in Sophie's own words. So it, it was, you know, just crafting what she might've thought, what she might've said, who she might've come in contact with as her life unfolded. So, yeah. And I did it and I got to 50,000 words. Wow. And so, of course, it isn't necessarily about winning, but did you win? I did win. Yes, I did. And so what does that mean that you won? I mean, how, what, what did you receive? Uh, they, they give you a lovely little certificate, which you can download and put your name on and, and print and frame. Um, and for me, it was just knowing that, yeah, I can do this. Wow. I so could do this. I want to take you back. To okay. Before then. So yes. 
to really to what precipitated where were you in your life so in the heroine's journey this would be ordinary life what you were doing how were things and then something happens and yep. there you are writing so what came before that precipitated uh, the what came before uh my life disintegrated yeah. My husband of 341 years, 364 days, 361 days, um, died suddenly and unexpectedly in 2014. On March 1st, he was fine. And on June 12th, he was gone. And no, it, it came totally out of left field to all of us, him included. Um, no one had any time to prepare. Nobody had any time to process. And so... Um, I, it, my life was just, it, it was shattered. Right. I, the life I knew was gone. I had to start all over again. Um, and my children were both um, in different places, 1100 miles away. I was there by myself. And I figured out very quickly that first fall, that first harvest season, I could not stay there by myself. Um, so the next spring I moved to Florida where my daughter was living and for the last five years of his life, my husband badgered me in the nicest possible way, of course, about when I was going to quit my day job and write. Now, and why did you say that, Kathy? Because he why badgered me, when are you going to quit your day job and write? Mm. He had seen me as a writer before I would ever own it myself. Mm. And I always replied in the nicest possible way, of course, that we needed my day job to help support his farming habit. So that was not going to happen anytime soon. So let's remind people that that you had this big farm, the grain yes, farm. We did. And that's what you and your husband were doing. But your day day job was I was the pastor. Yep. Yeah. Which is a busy job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was also a pastor at a different congregation. So yeah, we both had the pastorates and then we had the farm. Um, so yeah. And like I said, he saw me as a writer before I did. So I, I, I moved to Florida. I settled in. I'm like, okay, well, you know, the day job is no more. So let's, let's see. And I got Julia Cameron's uh, book. I believe the one I, I believe the one I used was the right, right. Anyway, I started going through it and I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe. And so that year when National Novel Writing Month came around, I'm like, okay, here's a way to try this out. You know, I'll just see if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and the book that I wrote then is it, it didn't go anywhere then it's going to go okay. somewhere now it didn't go anywhere then and then in the book meantime about, I wrote this, yes it's it's anywhere. it's going somewhere now but it didn't go anywhere for a while and but then I wrote the the grief book the real life grief book so was that because I'm just assuming that it was because you found you had more grief to process in the writing I did I did um there was no time when we found out Bill got sick, uh, when we found out how sick he was, um, things just happened so quickly. There was no time to process. I mean, 
he went from some numbness and tingling in his fingers to, you know, like in a matter of two weeks to needing a walker, you know, two weeks later, he was in a hospital bed. It would, and, and there were um, cognitive issues going on and just constant care. Um, there was no time and everything happened so fast. Okay. So Remind writing that book was the way to process. Right. Remind yeah. me what it was that he had. He had grade four multiform glioblastoma, oh. an aggressive form of brain cancer. Oh my gosh. So yeah. you were just reacting, reacting, reacting. Yeah. And then you said, I can't stay here. You threw yourself kind of down to Florida, which would have been good, right? To be near your kids. And it, it turned out that way. I mean, my son moved down there too. And for a while we were all there in the same place and parts of that were good, but lots of processing still to do. Yeah. So you started writing the grief book. Yeah. Yep. And that book, that I hope, book. I hope that's the book that you really, I'm looking, Walking the Labyrinth, one of my favorite things, Fine Lines. Walking yes. the Labyrinth of Grief and Loss. You have it right there to hold up for us? Oh, I do. There okay. it is. Right. Yeah. And why the labyrinth? Um, that was a gift of my spiritual director. Um, I went to see her one afternoon and I was in the middle of writing the grief book and I was struggling with how to organize the chapters because there's no way, it, both because of the way our story unfolded and because of the way grief itself is, there was no way to put things in chronological order. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I was walking through, you know, chapter titles and what they were about and things like that. And Trudy stopped me in the middle and she said, can I offer you an image that came to me while you were speaking. I'm like, well, sure, that's <laughs> why I'm here, please help. Um, and she's like, you know, hang on one second. And she went and she got this um, handheld solid wood carved labyrinth and she handed it to me and she said, the, the labyrinth is what I see when you're, when you're talking about these things, this is what I see. And she's like, you know, take this home and use it for a month, bring it back next month. Um, see how it feels for you after you've used it for a while with your dominant hand, then see what happens when you use your non-dominant hand. And I did that. And as I sat with that every day, um, the framework for how to organize the book came to me. And it was the, there are kind of like four things about the labyrinth, you know, you, you empty yourself, you know, you do the walk, you get to the center, you find what you find, you bring it back out and somehow take it out into the rest of the world. That was the way to organize the chapters of the book to make it make sense and to make it flow. So yeah, that's how that came from. That's amazing. What a gift she gave you. With oh, that. Incredibly, incredibly, wow. incredibly and important. Yes people that know me and have listened to things that I put on my YouTube channel and write about, I'm a huge labyrinth fan and walking it in meditation, seeing what comes up, 
Uh, knowing that there it's not a maze that there's one way yes. in and one way out yes do you have one near you that you walk are you able to i have i have not looked for one here i have not had a chance since i've been back here there was one close to me in polk county and there was there were some really awesome ones within an hour or so i have not looked for one here but right. that's on my to-do list so yeah so so that book tell me how that helped i mean i know obviously you were able to get out of you the grief and and write about it and that helped but did that move you forward in any other way oh it it yeah it did it did um one of the things that went by the wayside uh, when bill got sick was my prayer life because i was just so overwhelmed I was the writer, the wordsmith. Uh, I, I could not find the words. Yeah. I just could not. And when I started writing that book and processing, um, the words for prayer came back. So at the end of every one of the chapters, I have, I have original prayers that I have written. Um, and it has helped me learn to um let go yeah letting go seems to be yeah, i want to one of those hang on tight kind of people and and yeah so let me ask you because make sure i understand that when your husband died you were still a minister at that point mm -hmm. yep. so this is what we say about the heroine's journey. Sometimes you receive a call to do something and you do whatever you have to do to answer that call. Mm -hmm. Other times you're just thrown on a new journey. You didn't yes. ask for it. You just yep. sent and you were sent by his death yes. to leave your job. So you had to let go of that. Was there grief around letting go of being a pastor in your congregation? There was um, about some things. There were some things about being a pastor that I truly, truly loved. Um, I, I, I enjoyed writing sermons every week. Yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I enjoyed, I had a world-class musician at this little tiny older group of people church that I pastored. I had a world-class musician and Vicky was incredibly creative and we would put our heads together and do special services. Mm -hmm. um, I would write all the liturgy. She would pull together the music um, or write the music for it. Um, wow. One of the last Holy Thursday services we did was one of my favorites uh, because I wrote original reflections from Mary's point of view hmm. as each one of the scriptures unfolded from Thursday night through Good Friday. And we did stuff like that for, for services all the time. And I really, really, really grieved having to put that down. Yeah, that was creation, you, the act of creation. It was. So I'm it remembering... Was. Kathy, when we first talked, so you had just done the the November writing the novel, crazy, unbelievable 
feat of accomplishment. And I think then you were saying, I guess I'm a writer. I can't quite call myself a writer. So for a while, it and but now you just said, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, for me, part of the hang up in my head was, you know, are you really a writer if you haven't published anything? Um, so being able to say, yes, I have published a book. I am a writer. Uh, I have since learned that, you know, if you write, you are a writer. It does not matter whether you've published it or not. I was always a writer. I just, I just didn't own that about myself. But all those sermons, the literature. Yes. Yeah. About. And I find that it happens all the time. I meet women. They, they are painting, they're painting murals on walls and they're saying, oh, I don't know I, I don't, I can't call myself an artist. And I don't know what that is. It's like, these people are artists and writers because they've done these things and I'm not, even though you, it's just interesting how we do that to ourselves. Yeah, we do. But yes, I've, I've always been a writer now. I, I know that now. Okay. <laughs> I own that now. Happy for writer. All right. So, yes. so the the novel was written, and then you began work on the grief book, which, as I understand, is just getting ready to be published. Uh, the grief book has been out for a year. Oh, what right. I'm getting ready to publish now is the novel. Sophie will soon be out into the world. Yes. So, so talk. Yes. yes, my beta readers are pawing through her right now and okay. telling me what I need to fix or tweak or whatever. So, and, and look at, for people out there, and I know there are many that are listening who are thinking, do I want to write? Do I want to write a novel? They have it, you know, in their back drawer. So Kathy went and did this one hour, I mean, one month um, writing and then went and wrote another book to process what you had to do. And then you went and picked up that novel. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. how, what made you do that? Why didn't you just say, oh, well, I did that. So I'm on. Because Sophie's story is important. Um, it's, it's another one of those stories where you don't know what you're going to have to do until you have to do it. You know, her, her life fell apart. She had to start all over. You know, it's, it's the heroine's journey all over. She was, um, she was born in 1821, got married in 1851. In 1854, they left Germany to come to America or left Prussia to come to America. Um, on the way over, her, one of her children died. When they got to New Orleans, her husband and her other child died. So she wound up here in the Midwest alone with no one, nothing, start her life all over. Um, she found someone, she got married, she had five more children. They had a farm, they had a life. Um, yeah, she could have stopped, she could have given up, she could have done a million things, but she just kept going. Going. So. Of course, you never met her, she had died. No. no. Um, her from your husband I I I did some of Sophie's possessions survive um she had they they were moving their whole life they had two trunks full of stuff and there's the brass candlestick 
that she had with her uh, that came through my husband's family and we wound up with it sitting downstairs on my piano. And then uh, there is a samovar, one of those big urns, uh, you serve coffee or whatever out of, and um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have that. And then I'm sure there are probably some other things sprinkled out through the sides, other sides of the family. Um, uh, yeah, we don't have any of her words, but we have things that represent her and we know enough from her obituary and some things like that to put the pieces of her life together. And yeah, heroin story all over again. Right, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering as you were writing about her, both times when you were doing it in a month and then going back, how did you identify with her? Well, we were both widows. So, and, you know, we didn't expect any of these things to happen to us and we had to start over. Uh, there was, there were lots of points of identification there. Um, and then there was another one um, when I was finishing her because um, I was in Florida and in the process of moving back to Illinois, which is home to both me and the real life Sophie. Um, you know, I was, she was coming to Illinois alone, a widow, you know, I was coming back to Illinois alone, still a widow. Uh, you know, there were still some points of identification there and some, um, some physical triggers about being back in this place that has always been home. Um, and again, and under different circumstances. So there were, there were still some, some pieces of grief that I had to deal with when I got here and I'm still processing. I mean, you know, in Florida, I was far enough away and without the visual clues and, and things out of sight, out of mind. Uh, I'm here, it's not out of sight, out of mind. And I go to the farm all the time. So, mm -hmm. you know, memories and things that I hadn't thought about in a while, um, perhaps hadn't fully come to terms with. So I, I met myself all over again in Sophie's story because the parallels were there. Right. It was like walking another labyrinth, but you were walking going another labyrinth. Life. Yeah. Uh, but this time, uh, you know, I, I absolutely had the sense that, especially when I was doing it from, you know, packing to move and coming here, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, you're not doing this alone. She's right. been there. She's done that. She's, she's blazed this trail for you. You have, you're not doing this alone. Hmm. Hmm. And I, I can't help but think, even though it was horrible that you lost your husband and, and that you had to move and then come back and process that grief, that that all enabled you probably to write a better book than mm -hmm. if you had, I mean, well, you probably wouldn't have written it at all if all that hadn't happened to no. you. No, I probably would have just left it and said, you know, been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I would have done it, but yeah, the, the connection and the depth of emotion, I, I think I was a lot closer in touch with what Sophie was thinking and feeling in those sense. Right. Yeah. Certainly you would have experienced it yourself and yeah. yeah. So, so Sophie now is in the hands of beta readers. Yes. You hope that it'll be published by the end of the year? Um, it's probably going to be early 2023. Um, I'm giving them a month to go over it. Then I will fix 
tweak, edit, whatever, add to whatever I need to do. And then the formatter will get it on November 1st. And then the whole process of proofreading, blah, 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 blah. It'll probably be after the first of the year, but I can show you what Sophie looks like if you would like to see her. I would love to see. Everyone would love to see. Uh, Sophie. That is beautiful. Thank you. And what's, so explain the picture, how, what the significance. Okay, uh, there is Sophie standing there. And then uh, there is the urn and the candlestick okay. that we know belonged to her. Down um, and the tagline on the back of the blurb, you know, who is Sophie Rebel? Even she doesn't know. Um, so it, you know, cause her story is an identity story, trying to figure out who she is now after the life she thought she had does not exist anymore. So, which is another thing about the heroine's journey. It's that's it. Finding your true self. Finding your true self. So she's probably happy that you found her and have brought her story to life. Yeah. I'm thinking so. Yeah. So what's next? What's next? Um, there are a couple of other books in progress. Um, there's a contemporary quasi mystery uh, that's probably going to have a sequel. I already have an idea for the second book in that series. And then I am also working, I'm about halfway through, I think, um, on a book of prayers and poems called The Times of Our Lives, Poems and Prayers for Every Season. Mm -hmm. So. So just listen to you. I'm just thinking all the energy that creative energy that you poured into those services and your sermons you've been able now to pour back into you and what's coming out of you mm -hmm. oh, yeah wow. and do you have again helping the people who think gee maybe i can do that maybe i can start in november we're gonna have to make sure this goes online before november to inspire people um, what's your writing process? Are you at the desk eight o'clock every day showing up? I don't have a rigid schedule. Uh, I used to have a rigid schedule. I figured out that I was using the schedule to try to control my environment and my emotions and things like that. And that doesn't work. Uh, you have to live life. So I don't have one of those rigid schedules, but I try to write every day. What I like to do is get up and have coffee and breakfast with my daughter and granddaughter and then get my head around uh, do some quiet time, some meditation, something like that, then go for a walk. Mm. And then when I come back, put myself at the desk. Right. And it just comes pretty freely? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the whole writing thing. Sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no. Um, right. Sometimes yes, the ideas just, and you just go with them. And sometimes you just sit there and stare at that blank screen and think, what am I going to say? And sometimes I start out by saying, I don't know what to say. And that's really Cameron and the artist's way and her morning pages are helpful because you just can write, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I did them a while, a long time ago when I first picked up her books and then I didn't. And then when I moved to Florida, I did them again and then I didn't. And, but I found myself doing them again, especially this last month or so when I've been finishing Sophie because I was so 
embroiled in that. I was so into it, trying to get everything done. I would wake up in the morning with things in my head that, oh, she needs to say this. Oh, they need to do that. Oh, no, this needs to, you know. And so I would just grab the notebook and write it all down while it was still in my head before I ever got out of bed. So yeah, there is, there is value in them. Yeah. Uh, she also has an evening version, uh, which I have kept up with a lot better than the morning version and is basically just writing down two or three of the kind of big things of the day and then whatever, um, you know, maybe ask a question of the universe or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, and, and that is very helpful for me. It kind of helps me dump out what's in my brain so I can sleep and not stew over things. So. And I didn't know that she had that. So that's great. Yeah. So, and I'm also wondering, because I I worked as a coach with a writer who had written this huge book about a process that she had um, worked with, with um, Native Americans and spent a long time writing it. And at a certain point, she said, I don't know where the book ends and where I begin that she had sort of lost her identity and so pouring herself in. Do you ever feel that way? Oh, I did with Sophie. Uh, The last part, the last uh, chapter was a big rewrite and I wound up really struggling with it. And I was trying to figure out why, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, this is, this is completion. So, you know, this should be, you know, and you're like, um, and, and I, finally figured out that I, I didn't want her story to end. I didn't want to stop telling her story. That's so interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Can there be a, a, a sequel? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what the beta readers say, um, because maybe I will add some more things to the ending. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, part of, part of my resistance there, part of that struggle with getting the ending of the book to feel like the ending um, was that I, I, I really didn't want it. I didn't want to stop telling her story. She's not, she's not finished yet. <laughs> yes, no, she's not done yet. There, there are descendants everywhere living out her legacy. Right. So yeah, she's not done yet anyway. <laughs> so I'm wondering if I could ask you to find a poem from your book and read it to us. I would, I think. Okay. Well, this is this is the this will be um, one of the next things of mine that gets published. Um, Wild Goose Publications, uh, Iona Books, is a publishing house in Scotland, like where the island of Iona is, and they do they do all kinds of um, spiritual things, um, and they ask for submissions for a book that they were going to be compiling. Uh, on mental health called Redeeming Our Cracks, Prayers, Poems, and Reflections and Stories on Mental Health and Well-Being. And so I, it just, I liked the idea. Um, I kind of liked the challenge of doing something like that. So I wrote a prayer worship piece and I sent it. Didn't hear anything for a while, you know, things sometimes move slowly. And then all of a sudden, uh, the book is going to happen and and this worship piece is going to be in it. So uh, I would be happy to read it for you. Thank you, thank you. Please do. We come, Holy One, from fear, from misery, from worry. We come, Holy One, from despair, 
from remorse, from regret, from the valley of the shadow in which we live and move and have our being, we come. From exhaustion, from torment, from distress, we come creator of all. Dwarfed by mountains impossible to see past or climb over without rest or sleep, with anxiety and trepidation, in mental anguish, physical pain, we come. Alone and lonely, running on empty, clothed in sackcloth, dripping ashes, living grayscale lives in a kaleidoscope world, we come, sacred presence. From brokenness, from infirmity, from sorrow, our words turning to dust in our throats before we can utter them, we come, casting ourselves upon your mercy. Deliver us, Holy One, whose eye is even on the sparrow, from night terrors and day errors. Breathe life into our dry bones existence. Bind up our wounds of body, mind, and spirit. Ease the pain unleashed on us from outside and from within. Pour your healing balm upon our bruised and broken hearts. Speak peace to our frayed tempers and our frazzled nerves. Surprise us with unexpected graces in the wilderness of our days. Bread and wine, milk and honey. Slake our thirst with the life-giving water of your spirit. Hear our prayers, O Lord, our rock, our refuge, our strong tower, our safe space. Hear our words and all those things we hold silently in our hearts. And then I leave space for silence. And then hold also these assurances, friends. In unfailing love and endless mercy, the sacred meets us here. The one who knows all hearts sees and acknowledges every scattered and anxious thought, each moment of despair, every tear shed, every sorrow mourned, and offers grace and peace, courage and strength, life and hope. You who are both breath of heaven and dust of the earth, fearfully and wonderfully made, our beloved of God, welcomed and heard. Rest in the presence of the holy, knowing you are loved and accepted just as you are. Wow, Kathy. Beautiful. I am so glad I asked you to read it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And what comes forward shining is you must have been one heck of a wonderful pastor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> really? I, I had a wonderful congregation and I have mm -hmm. very fond memories of them. Yeah. And did you submit this? So where was this in your timeline of this writing. was like three years ago, August. And then, of course, um, it's a small publishing house, so things happen slowly. They have a very small staff. And then, of course, the pandemic and people not being able to get to work and come to work and do things and whatever. So it's just taken a bit. But yeah, um, he, 
I, I have already seen the proofs and they're hoping that it will be at the printers by October. So if people are curious and want to know more about the book, um, they can just keep checking back at the Wild Goose uh, website. Just Wild Goose Publications, Google that and you'll find it. Or okay. Iona Books, either one of those will get you there. And you know, probably again, sometime after the first of the year, it will probably be up, so. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And where, so your husband had passed and he wrote that. I'm, I'm thinking this must be part of that grief processing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to ask my kind of ending question. Okay. We've talked about so many things writing was a big piece of this grief your journey after being thrown into that grief pit um what would you want most the people listening to take from this conversation to remember um i think i want people to know that life goes on. Yeah. It may not be the life that you thought you had or wanted or whatever, but life goes on. Um, it's not always perfect. It's not always fair. It can still be good. Right. It can still be good. It can still be good. Yeah. Well, Kathy, so also, if you could tell us, so somebody wants to be sure to find your books and how do they get a hold of you? Um, Fine Lives is on Amazon and all of the Ingram Spark outlets. Um, you can order it from Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Um, so yeah, and it's available both in paperback and ebook. And let's say again, Fine Lines, Walking the Labyrinth of Grief and Loss. Mm -hmm. and, and what about how they're gonna know about Sophie? Sophie's going to be the same. Uh, she'll be out on Amazon and Ingram Spark and okay. paperback and ebook. Yep. Oh, all right. And the other, the poem, the prayer is mm -hmm. publishing. Yep. Iona Books or Wild Goose Publications. Right. Okay. Well, I can't tell you how happy I am that you decided to do the contest for my course. <laughs> And that was funny because I, I, I did it and I'm like, you know, but it doesn't matter because I never win anything anyway. <laughs> and, I, and then here we are. Right. So you're, you're doing a lot of listening to your intuition. You're doing a lot of um, going for it, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. How your, okay. This last question. How does your intuition usually come to you? I'm one of those people that has hunches. Um, thoughts will pop up out of the blue. You know, have you thought about that? Um, you might need to look into that. Maybe you should call so-and-so. Um, and I, human being, uh, don't always follow them. Right. Um, but then they'll keep coming around. Yeah. Or other people will say to me, oh, you should do this. You should do that. Um, and that's kind of what happened when I was um, 
starting into fine lines because one of my best friends who has also always called me a writer said, um, sent me a thing uh, for a free, um, are you pregnant with a book thing? Um, <laughs> and she's like, you know, you have to do this. You, you know, you have to do this. I had gotten it from another social media source earlier in the day. And I kind of looked at him and went, hmm, well, you know, that's interesting. You know, mm -hmm. that's the writing thing. So, you know, maybe, well, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, an hour later, I get this email from her with it attached. You have to do this. <laughs> so that's how, that's usually how things play out for me. I'm, I'm one of those hunch people. Yeah, right. I think I'll write 50,000 words in November. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kathy, you thank can do it. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> we'll see. You inspire. Maybe me too. Um, and everybody remember that life, what Kathy told us, what life might not turn out the way you expected, but it's good. It's good. moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Thank you again. Oh, you are welcome. Everyone listening or watching, thank you for joining us today. I hope that you'll stay tuned for my next podcast, which will be coming in about two weeks. And it's been a pleasure. And remember, you are a heroine. You are on a fabulous, epic journey. Okay. See you next time. You've been listening to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.